The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, Grab your mouse and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WMR.fm, episode number 419. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is my company senior SEO, Scott Vanak. Well, we put together a uh, bit of an interesting show today. It's a slightly shorter one, but there's, there is a fair bit of news out there, isn't there? You know, there's always something to talk about. May not be a huge uh, core update week, but there's always something. <laughs> there is. Well, on the first one, we, we're, we're going to enjoy a little bit. It's, um, and by the time everyone listens to this, Google or Facebook will have already released their new name. So we're just going to have fun. I think it's uh, tomorrow. They're actually doing it based on when we're recording. Uh, we're going to put some names out there that, uh, well, <laughs> they're not likely to pick, but they're still fun. Um, so I, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, well, my favorites, definitely Metahead. Um, <laughs> apparently it's something to do with the metaverse, right? That's they, the concept. They're all into the metaverse. That's, that's uh, Zuckerberg's vision. Yeah. So uh, there's Metaface, Metabook, Metafook, because why not? Why not? <laughs> What was yours? I got like, I mean, what do we have here? A Zucker book, uh, uh, Alphamet, you know, try to like poke Google here a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I, I think maybe, and this was the last one I thought of might be my personal favorite. Facebook's aging population of users, you know, kids aren't using it as much. It's all like, you know, the baby boomers and like True. my grandma, well, I shouldn't say that my grandma passed away a long time ago, but maybe she's still using it. Who knows? You know, it's the older <laughs> population. So I feel like a, a, an appropriate name might be facelift book would be right. good. So true. Very true. There we go. Yeah. I think, I think we got some winners there. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. I tried to look the, uh, for a synonym or something for metaverse to see where they'd work with that. Well, apparently, uh, dictionaries can't keep up with our trendiness because metaverse is not a word. The hell? Well, I uh, guess it will be soon. Uh, that or they, it just broke the computer when I asked it for a synonym. I don't know. I, I was thinking about metaverse and, and it, I never, re you know, I've heard the term thrown out there, but it never really knew what the reference was. And I can't remember the, uh, the, the author's name where it was first used, but I didn't realize it was uh, metaverse is basically a place people go to escape to, uh, to escape from a dystopian 
world. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of scary that that's kind of what Facebook has become. You know, people aren't happy in their lives. They go to Facebook and uh, not sure how healthy that is, but uh, I know I know it's just making it worse. Yeah. yeah, I know I've uh, cut out my Facebook time. So. (laughs) Oh dear. Well, um, on to the next bit here, because I'm, I'm, uh, it should be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, uh, they're definitely um, facing some problems, uh, especially with the the latest uh, what's it called? Um, oh heck, what are they called? The whistleblower. Oh yes, yes, the the Facebook papers they're calling it, and uh, that's of course, unfortunately, not much a surprise that they're evil, but. Well, I, I think it's going to be some serious damage to their user base, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it's just largely smoke and mirrors to try and, you know, hide their hide their evil doings a little bit. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, and they're trying to break things up a bit before they're legally broken up, just like Google did. All right, so Google Ads. There's some changes there. Just a quick piece on that. Yeah, we don't talk a lot about Google Ads, which is why this is under non-SEO news. But um, yeah, their Google Ad revenue is way up for quarter three compared to last year. Uh, I think the numbers that were released on October 26th showed that quarter three, 2020, they had 37.1 billion in ad earnings through the uh, Google Network and Google Advertising. And this year, it is 53.1 billion, an increase of 40%, which I don't know, that sounds like an awful lot to me. Uh, it it that, makes you wonder, like, obviously, uh, I would say a big chunk of that's coming from uh, COVID and all these businesses getting some extra money or using some of their money to try and drive more business. I wonder if Google has had anything to do with COVID. They, you know what, I think they're in there with Bill Gates, you know, they, they yes. planned the whole thing, yeah. uh, them and the Illuminati. I mean, it's just all part of it. Um, yeah. I, I think you're definitely right, though. Like, I feel like the pandemic has to be a big part of that 40% increase because, you know, you have all these new businesses that are online or they've, they've been online and they've created their e-commerce uh, platforms and the, their presence. And now they need to get the word out and they need to get it out fast. And organic SEO is great, but it's not as fast as pay-per-click, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think, uh, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw quarter three next year, a decrease from this year. And have people freak out about it, Maybe. even though it'll be a, even though it'll be a natural decrease if it happened. So yeah, and it won't be much of one because I think because there are so many more businesses online, they're going to do well. I mean, certainly there's nothing better about the system. And they didn't change anything, as far as I know, uh, other than other than their interface, which is just enough to drive me to suicide. Oh, they change things like that all the time. Yeah, God, <laughs> just awful. just to bug people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next up here, let's get in some SEO news. Google's priority hints improve core web vitals. So anyone out there who's been struggling with uh, improving their core web vital uh, scores, uh, maybe using the Lighthouse built into your Chrome browser. Well, uh, Lighthouse being their internal page algorithm, I don't know, what do you call it? Uh, it's, it's what, you, what you run to, to check page speed and stuff on your site um, if you're using your uh, machine's system. So it's within Chrome. I haven't used it forever. I don't even remember how to run the damn thing. <laughs> you, you know, I use it somewhat often, and every time I get confused to pull it up, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, you go into all the stuff and the inspect inspect source and all that kind of stuff, and you get in there, and I have to dig for it on every time under performance and 
yeah it's yeah. there though it's there, there. It you just gotta I look found for it. it it didn't take long so yeah i just i use Control shift i on windows when i'm open when i'm looking at a page and as soon as i do that it brings up the uh kind of like a console area you can you can click on uh, performance data and such and run core web vitals all that stuff anyway it'll when you do run it it'll give you more data on what it thinks and how things are looking uh, and ultimately it's going to give you some priorities and this is a fairly new uh, initiative the priority hints um, are available in the latest of uh, the latest chrome editions so if you're on an older one it won't work and it's i guess getting a, a there's a lot to this article and it's from search engine journal written by uh, good old roger monty and yeah i expected it to be kind of tight and short but I, I just kept going whoa there's more to this than i thought um it, the long and the short of it and i do i do recommend reading this if this is of interest to you because the article is significant uh is that they're providing a little more of more more leadership on what needs to be fixed first for the greatest improvements and and i think that's really important we you know when you're looking at the classic uh page speed tool report uh you would see you know they would say which is the biggest image but let's say the images weren't the most important thing to change uh it was just being shown in that order no matter what uh, so this is going to give you some more hints and in this article, it even tells you how to enable um, additional, I believe, experimental features. Uh, it's pretty thorough, so uh, check it out. All right. Now, <laughs> there's this article uh, that I, I couldn't resist adding. Uh, the title is it's from Search Engine Roundtable, and the title is Respected American Journalists Ask If Google Search Is Now Significantly Worse. And of course, the respected American journalist part is really what drove some interest uh, from Danny Sullivan from Google. I'll never get used to saying that. It's uh, weird. <laughs> it is very weird. So essentially, some journalists were muttering. Uh, the names were Jesse Eisinger, Chris Hayes, and Herb Greenberg. Uh, Herb Greenberg being the person who uh, uh, they, made, they noted as a very highly respected American journalist. Uh, Jesse Eisinger is an American journalist and author and a winner of the Pulitzer Prize for National Reporting. I would say he is definitely the most compelling. And Chris Hayes is an American commentator and TV news anchor. Uh, anyway, Jesse Eisinger said, and I apologize if I'm butchering that, on Twitter, he said, quote, I saw something about this on Twitter and then just experienced it myself. Have others noticed that Google search has gotten significantly worse? Chris Hayes responds, quote, Without a doubt, the recency bias is a killer. Herb Greenberg dug into the issues with searching for recent news. Anyway, Danny jumped in. He says, if you're willing to share, I'd love to know what you were seeking and how the results didn't help. Same for anyone else in this thread. Uh, all in all, what it came down to is Danny felt that it was, they were probably looking for dated content that, well, was being beat out by more recent content and that and that's partly because Google's trying to drive the most recent information to users uh, to keep it fresh uh, which has made things a little more difficult for journalists however as Danny said there are a lot of options for uh, finding older information in this case 
uh, he says he suggests using the new before and after commands to make it easier. And he provides information on doing that within the links. Uh, all in all, I thought it was kind of intriguing. It's it's I like it when anyone criticizes Google and and brings out yeah brings a little attention to what they could improve. That's never a bad thing. I can't say that I entirely disagree with them either. Like I'm, you know, every now and then, you know, I'll do a search and it's like, what are these results? This is irrelevant. And one good example happened just as we we're kind of getting ready to, for this podcast is uh, I was looking for famous radio sign-offs to get an example because I've been signing off different every time and <laughs> nobody notices or cares. Anyways, I did a search <laughs> for fa famous radio sign-offs and the first two results were coupon websites and like, what? well, this is, I know I, I should have taken a screenshot. I'm sure I could replicate it. Maybe I'll do that and I'll post it up to Facebook. <laughs> um, I'll totally do. I'll send it to Danny and everything. And it made no sense to me. And then the next two results were um, uh, uh, articles through, and it's funny because they were like news articles and we're talking about journalists and that. And they were older uh, articles that were locked behind paywalls. And uh, so maybe they're relevant. I don't know. I can't see them. It's a paywall. But um you know, the first four results were completely useless to me, completely, 100% useless and irrelevant. And um, it happened just as we're getting ready for this. So there we go. It's hmm. not, all, Google is not perfect. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I actually, uh, usually the comments are useless on these articles. Uh, you know, it's just, they tend to be just biting and nasty. But there's an actual post here uh, that, that's worth sharing from Michael Lewitz. Um, he says, uh, I, I look at news results several hours a day through the lenses of both an SEO and a journalist. Previously, I wrote for or was an editor at a number of news outlets, including, but not limited to, New York Post, New York Daily News, NBC News, New York Times. To me, the fault lies less with Google than with the publishers themselves. It sometimes seems news outlets put more emphasis on being first over being more thorough. Perhaps working at home has also hindered the collaborative nature that's so integral to journalism. Certainly young, young reporters are unable to benefit more fully from working side by side with seasoned colleagues. It is also more common these days for outlets to do bitier stories with bullet points and brief takes, but those articles often come off, comparatively speaking, as thin. Anecdotally, from staring at this day after day, while articles and top stories in news undoubtedly shift a bit because of recency, for the most part, it's the more robust and authoritative pieces that rise to and remain at the top of search results. Well written. Uh, it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a really uh, insightful response, and I wouldn't disagree. I mean, even, um, well, I don't think he's ever said it, but I mean, John's mentioned that, you know, as he works with his newspapers, because he is a newspaper SEO, uh, he's uh, always training them on how to be more catchy, catch the news, catch the readers. And obviously that's important. And these days I would imagine they are getting pushed in that direction of creating something that's really just catching eyes, may not be as meaty as it used to be. Anyway, interesting stuff, way more than we need to spend on it, I know, but, uh, it's occasionally some things like that are really interesting. All right, the Google Podcast Knowledge Panel Update. That's a mouthful. Well, we now have a knowledge panel for SEO 101 on WMR.FM. Now, I don't know how many people are going to search for it in that way, 
we're gonna have to work on that a little bit. But apparently about 50% of podcasts now have their own knowledge panel it just came in one foul swoop. Um, I wouldn't say foul one swoop. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like the smell or the bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was weird to me though, is, uh, when I looked at our result that the knowledge panel itself didn't actually have any of our podcasts. It just had a snippet about it. The search results did, uh, now as, uh, uh what's his name? Darn it. His name is not coming to me. Uh, gen genius guy. We've had him on the show before Jason Barnard. He, um, he was mentioning that, uh, it's just rolling out. So we're probably going to see a lot more, uh, meat coming to the palette, the, the actual panel, but I would hope that they're going to have some of the podcasts or players or something built into it. So it's a little more useful, maybe some pictures of the, the hosts, pictures of past guests, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff they could add to it, uh, but it is nice to see. Um, and if you have your own podcast and you're not showing up, apparently you need to follow some recent rules that Google launched. Um, it's a, a, there are changes in podcasting requirements based uh, as of September 21st. Uh, uh, to quote them, Google will begin enforcing updated information requirements for all podcasts on the Google Podcast platform. A podcast that does not provide the required information cannot appear in Google Podcast recommendations. The podcast can still appear in Google and Google Podcast search results, and users can continue to subscribe to it. It just won't be recommended. If you're using a podcasting hosting provider, you can provide any missing information using your provider's podcast management pages. If you edit your RSS feed directly, you can provide the information directly in the RSS feed. Here's a summary of the required changes and it gets into it, including a valid crawlable image, etc. Uh, really worth looking into if you do have a podcast and it's not showing up. Mind you, it's only 50% that have shown up. That doesn't mean the others aren't going to show up soon. Uh, Google does tend to do this stuff in in waves. So we'll see how that pans out. And they definitely uh, tend to uh, change the layout shortly after launching something new. So I, I think it's quite likely that in the near future, maybe in the next few days or weeks, at least, you know, we'll start to see at least a website link or maybe an embed of the a most recent episode or, or something, some more information there other than just the title and description. Yeah. So right now the knowledge panels um, that have been triggered by the Google podcasts, uh, the, up, the update being on October 12th, apparently, have not been enriched. And that's what we were talking about. And reading here from the article that uh, Jason wrote, uh, but he says it's very early yet. If you create an entity home, you can provide additional information above and beyond what's included in the RSS feed. Uh, by providing that information on the entity home and getting corroborative information all around the web, you'll be able to push additional information into your knowledge panel. I would suggest you start now because even if you can't enrich it right away, you'll be able to enrich it over time. So now's the time to start, unquote. Now take that and also apply that to your own brand. That is important. You know, what is your entity home? Um, I can't release the one I've got going now, but I'm, I'm going to at one point have an entity home for myself as sort of the place that I'm going to have everything linking to, um, from a, you know, a speaker's perspective, from a consulting perspective, I still love my business site but I wanted to have a single page, which was me, my brand. And that's something that you should work on if that's of interest to you. And if it's your business, uh, and let's say you have individual pages for staff, 
and you want to create their entities there, then you have to build that out on each of their pages and build links to those pages as the entity for that person. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but that knowledge panel looks damn cool. And I think it's a, a real authoritative clinch for clincher for sales. Uh, you can say, Hey, well, look, here's my knowledge panel. I've been around a while. Can't get this without being around a while and having some authority. It's a nice little calling card. All right. Absolutely. We should take a uh, quick break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, new improvements to removing images of kids from search results, which I think is a great thing. I'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WMR.fm, hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company senior SEO, Scott Fenak. So what is this article? Google makes yes. it easier to remove images of kids from the search results. Yeah, this is good. Um, you know, we've noticed over the past year or so, Google's been doing a lot to help people remove stuff that shouldn't be there, like hate speech and, and, and revenge 
type content and and now they're also allowing it uh, or making it significantly easier for anyone under the age of 18 or these kids parents or guardians to request removal of their images from google search results so uh, once removed the removal can lead to the image no longer appearing in the google images tab or as thumbnails in any feature of google search which is great uh, of course it won't remove images from other websites but at least it'll help keep that image from Google and you know it's it's a step in the right direction for sure. So uh, I'll give you a couple of quick steps here on how to do it. If you find an image of your kids or your, you are a kid, probably not listening to this podcast if you are, <laughs> but but you never know, right? Hey, you never hip. know. I try to get my kids to listen to it and they're like, what? We don't care, dad. And then they go on and do whatever they do. <laughs> uh, but anyways, if you want to get your kids removed from Google, uh, their images that is, uh, <laughs> fill out this form. Now, I can't uh, read this link out to you because it'll take way too long and you'll won't remember it, but there is a link and we'll, you know, make that accessible to you in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, fill out the form, you could Google search or Google search. You could search Google for the form as well. It should be pretty easy to find. Uh, and in the form, you'll include things like the image URL, uh, URLs of search result pages, uh, search terms that return the image and uh, some other, you know, for contact information, that kind of stuff. And the team will review the request. If they need more information, they'll contact you. Uh, otherwise, they'll notify you once the image has been removed. So all sounds pretty simple. I, I don't know what kind of turnaround time there would be if you submitted. If you're looking days, weeks, months, I would imagine something like this are probably going to be pretty quick, and they probably aren't going to be inundated with requests. But who knows? It's a, a feature that I think is good to have, and. Uh, just shows Google taking a bit of responsibility for what they're displaying out there. Mm -hmm. All right, very cool. Um, yeah, anything that protects the kids out there is a wonderful thing. So that's uh, it's probably about time, to say the least. Absolutely. All uh, right. Well, I know, yeah. I know if, my kids are probably want to do that for all their older pictures when they were uh, young because I've been kind of too braggish about them. They're so cute. Oh, I, I'm sure if my kids could, they'd contact Apple and be like, can we remove all our pictures from iCloud, please? Like all of them. Definitely. <laughs> when yeah. I take a picture of them, they freak out. Like, it's not going on the internet. It's just, do your yeah, thing. Yeah. Let me video it. Don't delete it off my phone. Stupid kids. What are you going to do? <laughs> they'll, they'll regret not having video of all these crazy things when they're adults. But for now, they don't like it. Well, you think about it. They're never going to forget anything. Like, I've forgotten so much of my childhood. <laughs> But they'll be able oh. to go back and get reminded all the time. Oh, all the time. And I'm on all the embarrassing stuff, for sure. Oh, I'm going to remind always. them of that every You've day. got to put emphasis on that, for sure. That's yeah. our job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, in the Mueller files, Google's continuous scroll has no impact on Search Console reports. So this is a quickie, but uh, essentially people were concerned that continuous scroll might mess up the data from Search Console reports on ranking positions. He said, nothing changes. Uh, position is position. Uh, he doesn't know how third-party rankers, rank trackers will handle it, but they're outside of the terms and service anyway. Uh, now you made a couple notes here. Oh yeah, like John had said this, that uh, you know your impressions may increase slightly as well as people decide, decide to scroll further. You know, if you don't have to click that button, people might scroll, see a few more pages worth of results, even though you don't see it as a page. 
so you might get an increase in impressions and there may be a subtle change in click-through rate. Likely click-through rates may drop a little bit as people scroll further. Um, but on the flip side, you might, if you've got a lower ranking, you might see your click-through rate go up because people are actually reaching you. So, but really all in all, uh, the people out there who have concerns about how continuous scroll may affect their data in Search Console, it, it doesn't really seem to look like that will be the case. But uh, I would love to hear from anybody if you, uh, you know, have seen massive changes since continuous stroll launched, which I believe is only available in the US right now. Uh, you know, hit us up on Facebook and we'll uh, look into that because I'd be super curious to see if that's the case for anybody. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so we're down to the questions. Um, but I think we'll start off with this observation. Uh, I think you you put it in here. That's a really good start. Yeah, kind of interesting. So Cameron, who's actually been uh, fairly active on our Facebook group, which is awesome. And I think he's probably listening because he seems to be listening. So, you know, thanks for this. I think he posted it about a week or two ago. Uh, and he said, I figured I would share this. Back in May, I learned that it is best to not include date stamps in the slug. I made the change without proper planning and saw my blog post de-indexed with Google. Then I spent two weeks patching up my mistake and setting up redirects for all the old URLs and directed them to new URLs. Then I requested Google to re-index all my newly formatted blog posts. So at the beginning of June, I saw an immense growth in organic impressions and traffic. Definitely a great learning experience and great to see how small changes can really have an impact. So there's a few things here. Uh, one of the reasons I included it as a, as a big takeaway is forget about what happened to his rankings in the big picture. You know, he made a change. He changed a lot of URLs. I'm assuming it's a significant number. He didn't specify how vast of a change this was, um, but he forgot or, or didn't think to set up redirects initially. And that resulted in a mass de-indexing of content and loss of traffic and all that kind of stuff. So big takeaway there, don't forget about redirects. If you're out there and you're doing any kind of URL changes, no matter how small they are, get your redirects in place or you'll be like Cameron and have to, you know, rush back and fix it in the after, uh, as an afterthought, uh, which he did and things came back, which is good. Uh, one thing he noted though is after changing, so what he did is he removed dates out of the slug. So instead of, uh, you know, 2020 slash 10 slash title name for the blog post, he got rid of the 2020 slash 10. And uh, after he removed that, his rankings and traffic, or maybe not rankings, his impressions and traffic went up. So I, I've never heard specifically of that change having that kind of an impact that he describes. And he does share a screenshot to Search Console and it looks like impressions maybe doubled over a span of a, a couple of weeks, which is fantastic. But I do question the timing. Uh, he had noted that it was at the beginning of June, he had everything fixed, or that's when he saw the growth. Uh, but it, it, in the screenshot, it looks like it's a little bit later in June, so it's hard to say. But there are some other factors that sort of correlate there. Uh, June saw two spam updates, the Google algorithm, uh, the page experience updates started rolling out and there was a core update on July 1st, which is a bit into that. So there may be other factors which saw his rankings grow. Uh, but I would love people to comment on his post if you removed URLs and, or sorry, removed uh, the date portion of a slug URL and, and saw rankings improve. I, I would love to hear more about that because I haven't seen firsthand that change have that kind of impact. Mm -hmm. And any other smaller changes or but seemingly smaller changes you've made that had some kind of a, a ranking impact, uh, positive or negative? It's always interesting to hear both sides. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Cameron, yeah. for posting that. 
Yeah, this one actually has, I was quite interested by it because we have, as you know, Ross, we have another client who's got, oh, I'd say decades, plural, but at least a decade of really good content. And it all has that date format in the URL goes back. And I would actually like to see that change. But of course, changing 10 years of content is, uh, just changing URLs for 10 years of content is kind of a scary concept. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I want to start looking into this a bit more and see if, you know, I, I'd be skeptical to say that this small change would have that big of an impact, but definitely something that's on my radar right now. And I want to look into, and I, you know, again, that's why I want to see more proof. If you've got proof out there, uh, I don't want to recommend it to my client unless I'm positive or, or highly confident it will have a good impact for him. So. Yeah. And also, is it the best idea for the net? Um, that's you know, another good making, question. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're taking old content and making it appear new, is that really what you're doing here? If that is the case, then that could be detrimental to your authority, your reputation too. Uh, it depends on what's being said and it could also oversaturate Google with garbage, which they may not look kindly to ultimately. So I don't know. Um, definitely some serious questions to consider there. So uh, I know we mentioned in the last show that uh, our one of our listeners and friends, uh, Michael Linehan, uh, puts a few questions to us. Anyway, uh, let's get to his second one. It says, about length of pages. There's a lot of varied information on page length. And some is very contradictory on what is best for humans and what might be best for search engines. What is your best knowledge on optimum optimum page length from the points of view of ease of use and of SEO? The the answer to this is a simple, common, hated two-letter, two-word phrase. It depends. <laughs> it depends, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So a couple of examples, let's say. Um, well, first of all, my my the the standard answer is how long does it need to be to provide the best answer? Uh, that's the way I like to look at it. Um, if you're providing the absolute best answer that you know of, that would make someone go, wow, I need to go nowhere else. This is everything I need and hell, I'm even gonna share this. Then that's it. If that's the length, that's what you wanna have. Uh, I think that's the simplest way to look at it. And, and don't think of it in S from an SEO perspective. Uh, you know, once you've gotten that done, look at different ways of making it more interesting to users and search. And that is adding multiple types of media, uh, links, adding videos, embed videos. Uh, heck, if it's about a bird, put in audio of the bird so you can listen to it in, the, in its wild, um, in the wild. I mean, things like that. But the other thing is, too, don't, you know, let's say you're doing an article on, um, the ins and outs of drone flying. Uh, that may be too much for a single article. That's pretty enormous, right? Um, you may want to break that into separates. Uh, a long, gigantic article just might have too many topics and it might be a little more difficult for you to get all the, the juice out of it. If you have, if you broke it down into um, acrobatics, basics of flying, um, the nuances of video uh, from a drone, you know, that sort of stuff. There's so much to it that you could have, you could make this almost into a mini book and, and create quite a resource on your site, especially, you know, if you're a drone, if you're a drone, um, what do you call them? Uh, flight training school, which these days they have. Uh, then 
this would be a pretty compelling uh, resource to have. That's my thoughts. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, you know, it, it's true. The length can be whatever makes sense. But what I usually tell clients when they're like, how long does this page need to be? Because I know they don't want to write a single word down. And they, if I tell them 500, 1,000, 2,000 words, they're just going to yell at me. <laughs> well, they won't <laughs> yell, but they won't do it. They just won't do it, right? So I, I tend to say, you know, try to get at least 300 to 350 words. And it's not necessarily enough. And sometimes it's more than enough. But I feel like it's a number that doesn't scare people. And they're more likely to do it. And so you're talking if, about just like could be a service page or a product page or a, a about page, something that's not an article necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I, I should, um, yeah, clarify that. Yeah. That's if you're trying to enhance a page that already exists. If you're writing a brand new article from scratch, writing 350 words is not scary because you're already planning on writing something real. Uh, that's yeah. More about, uh, uh, improving on an existing page. But really, like I saw a, a couple studies, I think it was last week or the week before, and, uh, you know, you don't always want to go based on this stuff, but the one showed that the average page one listing in Google had on average 1,400 words of text, and the other study showed around 2,000 words of text on average. Now, that's going to vary a lot between industries. You may not have to do that. Mm -hmm. And again, it comes down to causation and versus correlation, right? Like, it doesn't mean that that length of content created the rankings. It could just be that that type of search phrase uh, just results in content that's longer. But the point is, longer content typically does tend to rank well, and it brings up uh, various long tail rankings and, and other rankings that you might not necessarily be going for. Uh, you know, if it's focused and relevant and well written, you know, I always say longer is better in most cases. Well, there you go. For, so you, just, for a non-answer. Yeah. Well, no, it was good. I mean, and, and really just focus on quality. That's my, my line. And I'm sure Google would love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, cause it is the case. I mean, you just make sure you do a great job and it will pan out. Uh, just compare yourself like what you've written to other content out there. And if let's say you find a month later that, or let's say six months later, you put the same article that you liked then and you find that you've been really, like there's just no comparison anymore. Someone's done an amazing job. Hey, beef it up. Put it on your list to be improved again. Uh, there's absolutely no nothing wrong with revisiting content and beefing it up. In fact, it's a, a really good idea, uh, especially if you've already got some traffic and some links to it. It becomes a cornerstone content on your site and, and that's a wonderful thing to build and nurture. All right, well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company senior SEO, Scott Fenack, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air every week on WMR.FM. Hey, and uh, my apologies to Matt Damon. We've run out of time, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Jimmy Kimmel. You got the reference. All right. All right. <laughs> Take care, all.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.